0: Hey everybody. I'm Dr. Andy Rourke and this is the Uncharted Veterinary Podcast. Gang, today I have a special live edition from the Fetch Conference in Kansas City. It is a super fun episode. I really hope you will love it. A lot of love coming towards my technicians, but also towards practice owners and managers who are trying to figure out how to run healthier practices and take better care of their people. So that's what Steph and I are talking about today. This episode is called The Million Dollar Technician. How to be one, how to grow one. If you love this episode, if If you love this podcast in general, if you're like, man, I just love the way these guys think. It's so positive and refreshing. Dude, then you might need to be in the Uncharted Veterinary Community. It is a super positive, supportive community. We talk about managing practices just like this. It is uplifting and helpful. We've got tons of new content coming out. We'll have new intensive courses. We'll be rolling out the workshops and the main stage talks from our staff drama conference. We've got some watch parties that are getting scheduled right now so the community can be there and discuss what's going on and how to implement this into their own practices. We will be opening up registration for the 2020 conferences before long. And guys, as usual, members get to register first. And for the first time, I'm actually wondering if there will be tickets available to the public, at least for our April conference. There is so much energy and enthusiasm for that conference. I do not know if members of the public will get a chance to register. Maybe they will. I hope they will because I want people from the outside to get to try this out. But if you're really feeling like you need to be there in April, you might want to go ahead and join the community now to make sure that you will get your shot. Register today at UnchartedVet.com. That's UnchartedVet.com. Guys, that's all i got. Let's get into this episode.
1: And now, the Uncharted Podcast. So please join me in clapping an 11 size applause for Dr. Andy Rourke.
0: Guys, this is amazing. I'm going to stick with this one. We're going to get started. We're already recording. Uh, I hope you'll get to hear this again on the actual podcast. Uh, Fingers crossed. We've never done this before. I've got the best technical person that I could find in the hallway on the project. (laughs) I put success at probably 50%. So I think we're, we're feeling good. But guys, let's get into this. I can't do it without... My co host, my wingman, my sister from another mister, Stephanie, get your freak on, guys! Oh, man. All right. I feel like we got real fired up to be on NPR. That's what I feel like right now.
1: <laughs> Thanks, guys. How's it going? Yeah. Good. How, was, uh, how was your first day at Fetch? Awesome. I, I, how was your, uh, your second, third? What day are we on, UBCers? Third. Three? How was your third day at UBC? <laughs> uh, awesome.
0: I like to hear that. That's good. So, All right. So what we got going on tonight? All right, man. We've got some stuff going on. So we, uh, the fetch people made me tell them what we were going to do uh, way a, in
1: advance. It's not a secret anymore?
0: It's not a secret anymore. Okay. We are going to talk about the million-dollar technician, how to be one, and how to grow one. All right. I love it. That's it. So you what do know? you guys
1: think about that? Okay. Have we
0: got any technicians in the room?
1: Yeah. Oh, all right. Wow. Good deal. Wow. All right. Wait, Great. You guys are kind of quiet. Do we have any technicians in this room? Oh, okay. Oh, okay. All right. That's my thought. Okay. Very cool. Let's get into
0: this. Okay. So we start talking about the million-dollar technician. Um, why don't you... You want to lay down kind
1: of how the conversation started and how we got here? Yeah. So we've been talking um, about a lot of different things at Uncharted this last week. And one of the things that we were talking about was the idea that our teams, um, all of our teams, but in, in this instance specifically, our technicians really absolutely hands down deserve uh, to earn a living wage.
0: Yeah. That's no,
1: no, questions about that, right? Yeah, that's something that
0: we both we both agree with, and we both feel very strongly. Right, our technicians um, are wildly underpaid, and we know that. And I've said it before. I, I dream of a world where technicians get paid what they're worth.
1: Right? Yeah, like absolutely. that's been
0: a, a big thing for me. Absolutely. Um.
1: And it, I think, it's one of those topics that's really uncomfortable, and so we don't talk about it. I think as openly and honestly as we should. But I think Andy and I are both um, the kind of people that don't care so much about those barriers and we're willing <laughs> to put our feet in our mouths. So yeah. let's, uh, let's talk about it a little bit. Yeah. And, uh, I think you and I were talking about the fact that we both feel like in the absence of a magic money tree at your clinic. And if any of you have one of those, I would love to know, cause I would love to come shake yours. Yeah. Email us at cause, podcast. At <laughs> I'm to com. Cause I definitely do not have one at my clinic, but in the absence of that, um, what are we going to do to make sure that our technicians are getting paid not only fairly but well and that they're making what they're worth
0: right yeah so at some point lip service kind of stops and we're like all right what are we are we really doing this and how are we going to do it and so I thought that that would be what you and I would talk about tonight and we um we've kicked this back and forth many many times and uh I think we got a pretty good I think we got a pretty good platform yeah so cool so let's start out so in all seriousness um how do we make it so that our practices can really genuinely pay our technicians, right? How do we get them up to a living wage, you know, a higher standard, right? So I think that we start off with two things up front. So the first thing that we've got to do as an industry, as a profession, we've got to take them seriously. And I don't think that everybody takes our tech seriously. I think a lot of times we still think this is a kennel kid, somebody we grabbed off the street, and now we brought them in and asked him to hold a dog. You know what I mean? And, and, and that's it. I think that... Um, I think we have a lot of vets uh, that don't want techs to do stuff. They want they want to do the tech work, and I'm like, I'm sorry. Then you should have gone to tech school. I'm to tech, um, not vet school to, to vet. take the tech stuff away from mm-hmm. the techs. And I don't say that to be argumentative. And I think as we start to lay out what we're really talking about, I think that will make more sense. But I do see a lot of vets. Show of hands. Any, anybody uh, work with veterinarians out there that uh, are?
1: Oh, that's ten- and there's some hands up, straight yeah. up. Right, she's got her foot
0: in the air. Does anybody work with uh, veterinarians that, that um are want, they want to do the tech
1: work? Anybody see that? Okay, hands go up. Yeah. Okay, there, and and the fact that there's a good amount of you guys doesn't surprise I think either one of us because I think part of why we're talking about this is because we've we've been there and we've worked with those veterinarians who do they do it and we feel like there's a there's a couple reasons why they do it and I think that's the next part of our conversation, I, but
0: I just want to jump in and say that a show of hands is really optimal for an audio format. <laughs> I'm, uh, just figured that
1: out. Um, okay, We'll do that differently yeah, next time. You know, lear- learning as we go. Yeah, oh, totally. <laughs> So for those of you guys who are listening, who can't see what we're seeing, like three quarters of the room raised their hands. Yeah. It was Tell not you. just Andy and I sitting up here with our okay. hands raised.
0: No, yeah. totally. Right? No, no. So, so yeah. So, so jumping back in this, so starting up, like I said, we've got to take technicians seriously. Take, uh, we, we have to believe that they should have a living wage, right? We should stop looking at these people as part-timers or people who are supplementing income or living off of their spouse. Like yeah. they, they need their own wage, and we need, to, we need to believe that as an industry or else it's not going to happen. The other thing, too, is we've got to trust our technicians. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's a trust issue. And so we, in order for them to be able to do the things that will justify this salary, we've got to trust them because there is no way that we can justify a salary if we don't let them do anything but hold pets, right? Like that's not the technician role and those numbers don't work and we can't make that justification, but we can get there if we trust our techs and then we let them do the work they were trained to do and that we train them to do. These numbers can totally work. This can make a, a, a ton of sense. I believe this can work for everybody.
1: Yeah, I, I I do as well, and and I have um, worked in clinic where my technicians actually were paid very well and were um, were p- getting paid a, a production um, based on what they were helping bring into the practice, and we're gonna talk about that a little bit later. But I do believe that it is a possibility, and it is should I would love to see it become the norm in our field for more of our technicians to be helping look at the business as a business and be strategic in how they're helping bring income into the practice and then reap the rewards of that as well
0: oh yeah production-based bonuses um uh incentive programs I, I think all that stuff is well within our grasp we just need to set it up and we just need to run it and we we do these things for doctors and we just kind of blow off the text and i think that that's i think it's a mistake um and i think it holds us back
1: yeah And I think one of the things that that frustrates both of us, too, is that when we talk about our technicians, um, our licensed technicians, you know, a lot of them have had just as many years, if not more, in the field as some of our veterinarians. They have gone to school. They have advanced degrees. And we're not letting them use them. And that, to me, is the biggest shame of all because they are getting frustrated with that, and they're either becoming our toxic team members that we then have to handle or they are leaving the field in droves because they're frustrated and there we see it time and time again where they're going into often the human healthcare field where they can utilize their skills and be appreciated for the skills that they have because they're not finding that appreciation in our field and i think that that's such a bummer and it it's something that i think we need to really talk about more no
0: i think it's a good point and we end up managing frustration um and then acting like why are these techs so hard to deal with it's like well because you're not letting them do the thing that they were trying to do yeah so sure. all right so all right so Let's walk through. Do you want to walk through what, what, what the system kind of looks like that we're talking about or do yeah. you want to walk through how we get there? So the system that we're sort of talking about, um, I believe that the opportunities to delegate what we do in the clinic and the examiners to the technicians is massive in most hospitals, right? I think technicians are significantly underutilized in the vast majority of hospitals. So imagine a scenario, and this may be your scenario, and I hope that it is. That would be awesome. Imagine a scenario where the technician sets up the room, they go through the wellness protocol, they do not worry about anything changing, they know that the doctor is going to back up what they say, they're doing the fecal examination, they're setting up, they're drawing the blood work, They're they're talking about the senior examinations, right? They're just going through and laying out all of our wellness protocols, our preventatives, they're doing our heartworm, uh, Uh, sales they're doing our flea tick sales Mm -hmm. they're doing all of those things Mm -hmm. and the doctor comes in and the 40x is running the senior blood work has been sent out the fecal examination is running it's Mm -hmm. being sent out however you do it that stuff is done and the doctor is walking into a room with an educated client who is up to speed on the wellness exams and then you're coming in um, and just picking it up from there and suddenly instead of doing this whole walkthrough your job is simply picking it up it's bonding with that client right that's always going to be important Mm -hmm. guys what we do is is trust right it's all a game of trust and so the veterinarian should still get in there and build that trust you should have that rapport the veterinarian's doing the physical examination but imagine what you could do with that right imagine the increased capacity your veterinarian has because we got a shortage of veterinarians guys Right, so uh, raise your hand and raise your hand. Give me, give me, a, give me a, a clap. Give me a three clap if, you're, uh, if you would like to maybe hire a veterinarian and are struggling to do so. <laughs> yeah, there we go. So, yeah, so we all would like to have more veterinarians. We can increase capacity of the veterinarians that we have if we leverage our techs more. Absolutely. And so now our vets are seeing more stuff. And you can take this one of two ways. You can use it to generate more income, and you'll generate income in two ways. You'll generate income because your vets are seeing more appointments, or you'll generate income because your vets are working up. The appointments that they're seeing yeah. and now because you're not talking about this wellness stuff you're talking about the dental disease like you actually have time to flip this lip up and talk to this person about dental disease yeah how many 800 dentals do you need to book to make it worth paying your technician right yeah. i think that we can get there we can get there
1: quickly yeah and i think we probably have veterinarians who are listening who are going okay but wait then you're talking about my technician's doing, doing to a degree, what they feel like is practicing medicine, right? Cause they're talking to clients about things. They're, um, they're, the argument that I have heard is that then they're prescribing things like your fecal tests or your heartworm tests before the vet has laid hands on the pet. And so my argument there is that you, you can absolutely set up a system that works for you in your practice. You don't have to do it the way that, that you just talked about, Andy, but you can run the same kind of system where all of those samples are still obtained. The groundwork and the education has been done with the client. And then the vet does their exam. And then the vet just reiterates all of the education that the technician has already done. And the vet's making the recommendation. And then all of the work is already done. And nobody is practicing medicine that's supposed to be coming from the veterinarian. You can still have the same end result, um, if, if that's your argument, I, I would say that it's a really weak one. And it's really frustrating to me when I hear veterinarians say that. And I understand where they're coming from, from the perspective of they, you guys went to vet school, right? You put a lot of time and energy into it and you should be practicing medicine. But I would argue that your technicians are the most powerful team member that you have in terms of helping you do your job better. You have to let them do it.
0: Right. And and so, so two things there. So one, I would say, you can definitely build in a check sy- uh, system if you want. And you can make it so that the technician lines up everything, they get everything ready to go, and the vet walks out, gives them the thumbs up, and then and then it all goes. So you can definitely set that up if you want to. I think that's fine. The other thing that I think that you would find it's economically true is, at some point, the benefits you get financially, from running a system that everybody is on board with and we're all saying the same thing and everybody is trained and they're executing in the exam rooms well and they're making good strong recommendations at some point if you run a 40x and then decide you're going to send blood work out instead you can absorb that cost yep. right like it's a it, you know I don't want to do it all day every day but you won't be and so on the random blue moon that we run a heart room test that we later end up getting included in blood work that's it's fine when you look absolutely. at the benefit of running the system and everybody just being on the same page and supporting each other.
1: Absolutely. And that's from a practice management perspective too. That's absolutely where you leverage your relationships with your vendors so that when you do have situations where something like that occurs, you talk to them. I call my IDEX rep regularly and I'm like, hey, this situation happened. We had this fed in-house. We thought we weren't going to be able to do anything with it. So we ran it in-house. Now I'm sending out a whole panel. Can you guys help me out here? And they're like, of course. Yeah, we'll comp you back for that test. Like they are. They want us to practice the best medicine that we can. That's why they love having the relationships that they have with us. And I think that it's a tool that we really underutilize in terms of how we can leverage that to practice better medicine.
0: Yeah. No, I agree. So the first step in getting this going and making this work is your, your practice has got to get on the same page. Yeah. And a lot of it, because you mentioned, you mentioned um, our, our industry partners, you mentioned you know our, our suppliers. Mm-hmm. Guys, the first part of this is if you want your technicians to be effective in the exam room and you really want them to be able to, to, to generate revenue that will then come back and help support them, um, you cannot have every product, every flea and tick product on the shelf. You, you, <laughs> you can't, right? Everybody's got to know this is what we recommend and they've got to be on the same page. And so you, you are not Chewy.com, you, know, you are not Walmart, you are not going to have all the products. The best position that we can take if we want pet owners to do what's best for their pet is we pick our products, we yeah. pick our wellness protocol, we agree that this is what we're going to recommend, and then we all back each other up. Yeah. And so everybody's got to get on the same page about what is our wellness protocol, when do we vaccinate, when do we, um, when do we heartworm test, when do we not heartworm test. And we got to get on the same page. Yeah. And it's just the days of vets being able to come in and just freestyle with whatever we want to do. Like those days are right. over. Like right. we just, we cannot economically do that anymore. We've got to get on the same
1: page. Well, and the ability to have a clinic where you're trying to be all things to all people economically, we, we can't afford to do it. And I'm, I laugh because I, you know, my current practice, when I walked in, it was one of those practices we had all five or six of the main preventative products on the shelves. We had every different kind of pet food on the shelf. And it was the case where none of the team knew what to recommend because every doctor was doing something different right. and every team member was doing something different. And so the clients were getting mixed messages from the start. And so that we, we have to start with getting... The whole team on the same page. If you have, especially in a multi-doctor practice, you know my practice has has um, four vets, and if everybody's going in a different direction, the clients are never going to hear the same message. Right.
0: And and I don't mean to come down on on veterinarians. I feel like we're maybe coming off a bit harsh on them. I, I don't mean to, as a veterinarian sure. who has done all of these things, <laughs> I like think we should be too too hard on on the veterinarian. But but we we've, we've got to swing around here. And look at the technicians and if, if I'm gonna, you know, if I'm gonna use this flea product and Dr. Stephanie is gonna use that flea product and we're going to do that, and I say, well that's my decision, that's her decision. It is. But you have to understand that your wingman in the exam room, like your key supporter, your hype man who comes behind you and goes, yeah, what she said, that's what you need to do for your pet. What? Like, you want that person? <laughs> you, you lost them. You lost them. You, you yeah. have, you've cut their legs out from under, them. you know what I mean? Like, yeah. like you could have a partner in this, but because you're doing different stuff, your partner, she's going to keep her mouth shut or right? he's going to keep his mouth shut because he you know what you're going to do. Right. And technicians, they don't want to be hung out to dry, right? It gets real old when you make a recommendation. The doctor comes in and arbitrarily changes it yeah. behind you, right? And I'm not talking about the technician comes in and they do their job, and the vet comes in and finds up something that needs to be addressed medically. Right. I'm talking about this is the heartworm preventative I've been told as a technician to right. recommend, and the vet comes in and goes, hey, "You know what? I don't really like that one. Uh, let's let's go let's go right. get this one." Yeah. And so at, at this point, I just I gotta lay down uh, one of the key fundamental building blocks for me in, in practice, right? So when you get into uh, my veterinary belief system, this is chapter one, right? Like this is practically the introduction. This is, this is really deep for me. It's the trust game. Um, has anybody ever heard me talk about the trust game before? No, a couple of people. people? Um,
1: uh, we're getting a lot of blank. Yeah, we're blank getting
0: blanks. a lot of blanks. All right, cool. Then let me, then let me lay this down. Because guys, this is, this is bedrock important, okay? I'm going to explain for you right now what you do for a living. Okay, here it goes. This is what you do for a living. Right? You play a game and it is called the trust game. And here's how it works. Like imagine a counter, like an odometer in a car, you know, where the numbers roll up, but these numbers can roll back down. Okay? So they can roll up and they can roll back down. And they're a counter for trust, right? Every moment that you are talking to a client, one of two things is happening. You are gaining trust and that trust is going up, or you're losing trust and it's going back down. You know what I mean? So when your um, client walks in and the person at the front door goes, hey, Buster is here, it's great to see you guys. You know, I love, I love a Boston Terrier. I've got three at home. That trust score is just clicking up, you know? And then they walk in another time and they walk in and the place smells like cat pee. And you know- uh, That, that and, never happened. And, and, Marce- and Marcel at the front desk is on his phone, you know, scrolling along and he kind of like, can I help you? That trust is rolling back down, right? right? And it happens when the technician comes out and he comes out and he presents himself. He's dressed professionally, you know, he's put together. He knows what he's doing. He knows the pet's name. He knows what that pet's due for. He's going to talk about the wellness protocols and he just goes to work. Boom, 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 boom. And then I come in and I start changing stuff. Well, you know, we don't really need to do that. It's going back down, right? I'm knocking that that score back down. And so that's the trust game in place all the time. Here's where it gets interesting, here's where it gets real. Every time you ask a pet owner to do something, you burn trust. Like it burns, okay? If you have enough trust built up, and I say, hey, we, we really need to get Scrappy's teeth cleaned. If I've got enough trust, I'm still, it burns. If I'm still in the positive after it burns, that pet owner will do that thing. And if I burn it and it goes in the negative, that pet owner is not going to do that thing. Right. You know how you get pet owners in and you're like, we need to do this. And they're like, yep. And when you do this. And they're like, yep. And then well, we also need to do this. And they're like, mm, I don't, I better talk to my wife about that. <laughs> right. It's because totally. you burn that trust back down. You know, those uh, clients that come, your practice, they've been coming for like 15 or 20 years. And whatever you say that they should do, they do it. You know, those people. Yeah. Do you know why? It's Trust. It's because you have been a good steward of their trust for 20 years, right? And so guys, that's vet medicine. That's the whole game. Mm -hmm. So just know that I believe that deeply, okay? So here's where the technicians come in. If the pet owner comes in and I've got a wingman, technician Stephanie, and she goes into the exam room first and she's like, this is what's going to happen and this is what you need to do and this is what we recommend for a pet your age, Uh, not for your your pet's (laughs) age. Um, (laughs) Laughter your age is unimportant, sir. Um, <laughs> but, but, but this is what we're going to do, right? Right? They're hearing that. And then I come in, and in 30 seconds, I run through everything that she said and say, yep, that's totally what we're going to do. And it's the second time they're hearing this. Honestly, you want not have a to- crazy awesome practice it's the third time because the front desk told them when they got here and then the tech tells them and then the doctors just coming in being like yep what they said and <laughs> you know what I mean? and it's the assist it's that third time hearing this message guys that's how you get compliance that's how you build a trust game but when we don't agree on our basic wellness packages when we don't agree on our products one, we can't train our staff on them because we can't expect them to know all six flea and tick medicines backwards and forwards. Right? But two, they can't jump in and help us. And if they do try to jump in and help us, then we get conflicting messages and that knocks our trust score down. It undermines our trust and it makes it harder for us to get the pets what they need. It makes it harder for us to generate the revenue, which could then go to help pay our staff. A better wage
1: mm-hmm. and I and I think the same trust um, holds true for the technicians having been um, that technician in the exam room it works the same way between you and the doctor when um, when I've gone in and I've talked to a client and I've done my part and I'm educating them and then the doctor comes in and says something completely different and the client asks the same question that they may have asked me or a question that they haven't asked me yet and they ask like oh you know do you really think I need a heartworm test this year and then the doctor says oh no you don't then for me, my trust in you immediately goes down and I feel like, well, why am I even here? Do it, why should I even be talking? And at some point, maybe I, maybe I just shrug it off and maybe it's like, oh, you know, today's been a bad day. I'm just, I'm, whatever, I'm just going to ignore what Dr. Rourke said. But at some point, you hear that enough and, and you feel like maybe I should, should not talk. And so I've worked with those technicians who you see them go into the exam room and they come out and they're like, here's your next case. Yeah. And that's it because you don't you don't want to try. Well when you put in the work
0: and then somebody walks in and takes your work and puts it in the paper shredder right in front of your face, like how long does it take to that before that becomes demoralizing, right? Right. Demotivating. And
1: and I don't get me wrong, I I really don't want to pick on my veterinarians here and i but i do think that it's an important piece to talk about because i don't think that it's done intentionally i think they're doing it because they are trying to build a relationship with the client and a lot of them are like ah oh, yeah sure and they're doing the chatty thing and they're like yeah well i guess we don't really have to do it this year and you know i i get where it's coming from but the end result is still that at the end of the day you feel really crummy and so my trust as a technician and my doctor goes down and it takes a while to build that then back up just like you talked about with the clients
0: right and well let's put a little caveat here too again just to be like as the veterinarian who has uh sinned many times um we're not, I, I'm not, I'm not so dogmatic about this as when I say, Hey, here's the uh, heartworm preventive that we use. And the technician says that. And I come in and I'm like, Hey, this is a heartworm preventive we use. And the veteran goes, well, my dog has always been on this other one. And that's really the only one that I want to give. We'll, we'll make a change, right? Like sure. I, that, that may or may not be a battle Absolutely. I want to fight. Let's not trust needs to go both ways too. Absolutely. the, the vets need to trust the techs. The, trust, the techs need to trust the vets that I'm not going to sell you out. Right. And, but we we got to earn that trust, right? Mm-hmm. And when we do that, it can be some give and take. You know, it, This doesn't have to be dogmatic, but we've got to have a system that everybody is on board with. And when we have that system, that kind of moves us to step two, then we can start to really train, Right. But- we-
1: so we didn't talk, though, about how to get on the same page. Like, how do you, how do you even start that process? Because I think that, that's part of what trips up a lot of clinics. And it's like where, how you have four different doctors that are going in four different directions. How do you tame that beast as a practice manager or as a, as a technician leader, as a CSR lead who, who's trying to make things better for your clients? How do you, and especially for my technicians who are trying to make their lives and the lives of their patients better, how do you do that? How do you get on the same page?
0: Right. So I, I think one the, of the first thing you got to do, we, we have to get the practice owner on board with this. Sure. And if we're not going to get the practice owner, this is going to be a really, really hard fight. And honestly, this is going to be limiting for where your well, practice can probably go. Mm-hmm. Because if the practice owner is not going to get on board, it's going to be really hard to get a on board. The first thing to do is get the practice owner on board. Okay. And then honestly, I would not make the mistake of calling the doctor meeting getting the doctors together and dropping the bomb on them, right? To see what happens because they will go defensive and they will hunker down, uh, right? And people, a lot of knowing nods in the, in the area. So they're, they're, going, they're going to hunker down. Right. So what do you do? We get, the, we get the practice owner on board and then we start to have one-on-one conversations about trying to consolidate inventory, trying to talk about making recommendations so we can better leverage our technicians. Yeah. When you talk to your doctors, this is, just, this is talking to doctors 101. The best thing I say, talk to him one-on-one. On one. Know what your doctor cares about. And so if you are talking to a doctor who wants to generate revenue for the practice, say the practice owner, mm-hmm. and said that's what he cares about, then talk to him about how we can be more efficient, we can make better recommendations, right? We'll carry fewer products, so we right. can get better pricing on the products that we do carry. Right. Like we can make these numbers work and make these numbers better. If somebody else says, well, I want to practice the best standard of care, the best, the best medicine, then we really lean heavily on the biggest thing holding our practices back is non-compliance. Right. It's not people using the wrong heartworm prevention. It's not people using the wrong vaccine or not vaccinating for leptospirosis. It's them not showing up. Right. And it's them just not doing anything. Right. And so the benefits of us having a system and supporting each other, we're gonna drive compliance way up. So even if you think another product may be better, the benefit of us all agreeing far outweighs the minor benefit you might have between flea product A and flea product B in that doctor's mind.
1: Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, and I, th- I think for me as a, as a manager, whether you're a tech manager or a practice manager, Part of it for me is going to the doctors and asking them, well, why are you doing that? And trying to get an idea of where, where are they coming from to see where we have similarities and where the big differences are so that I can plan effectively what my next move is going to be in terms of like, okay, now I've had these one-on-one conversations with them. Now, how do I bring them all together? Assuming that my practice owner is in alignment with me, how do we, how do we bring it all together? And knowing what is important to them and what isn't important to them is going to be really key information for how you play your next move.
0: That's such a great point. And, and the other thing is, um, this is a, an example of where a discussion is going to get you a lot farther than a directive, right? Absolutely. And so the question that, that, that I would like to hear come out of people's mouths is, tell me what's important to you about this product. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's just yeah. just tell me. Like, why are you, why are, everybody else is kind of on board with this, why are you on board with that? Yep. And that's just gonna—that tells me the obstacle I have to overcome to get this doctor on on board.
1: And the the really funny part is, is a lot of times when I've had these conversations with doctors, the answer is well, I don't know, that's what they had when I started here. So that's what I keep recommending, yeah. right? Like they're, they're, they're not actually necessarily wanting to recommend that product or that service any more than um, another, but it's just become habit or it was something that they used previously. So they felt comfortable with it. There hasn't been any staff education. It's one of 10 million reasons. But if you don't ask them what that reason is, you're never going to find those similarities or those differences. Right.
0: No, I agree. So we gotta get, we gotta get the practice on the same page mm-hmm. because if we don't get the practice on the same page, then our technicians really can't work for us. Right? Because they're 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 sitting back to wait to be told what the doctor wants to do. And I'm not talking about taking all the power away from the doctor, of course, but I'm talking about the doctors working strategically to say, what do we want our technicians to do? We're directing our technicians rather than in the exam room. We're directing them from the doctor's office when we make this plan together and we go to them and say, hey guys, this is what we'd like you to do. This is the game plan we'd like you to run. Right. And so we get on the same page, and then we, have to, we start training. Yeah. And most of us do not train our techs nope. well, and we don't, we don't train yeah. them correctly. So techs, uh, our, our techs go to tech school, they may get the medical training. There may be a way that you want them to do something differently. There may be a medical uh, an approach or a procedure that you want them to do, or uh, you, know, you can have your own animal hospital way. I think all that is fine, but you, you, need to, you need to train people, right? So we need to get to the point where they're clinically competent enough that we can trust them, yeah. which they should be. We have to give them opportunities. But if you don't trust your techs to be clinically competent, then we've got to train them. We've got to get them there to where you can trust them, because if you can't trust them, this whole thing is, is, is going to bog down. But the other part of that is um, we've got to train them in, in communication, right? Mm-hmm. How to support our practice. So if we say this is the vaccine protocol that we have, and this is um, when we're going to start recommending senior blood work for the pets, mm-hmm. we need to talk to our technicians about how to talk about senior blood work, right? Give them those tools. What is important? Give them, give them, the, the, um, give them your reasons, If that's the one that's important to you, give them your reasons and let them integrate their own Mm -hmm. so that they can say, this is why we recommend blood work for your pet at age seven.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's fun. I
0: was so powerful (laughs) that that last point turned the lights off. (laughs) Look, I'm just going to make a confession. We really don't have permission to be here.
1: (laughs) We just kind of broke in,
0: you well, know. It's, it's fine. Thanks, guys. We're getting all the yeah. time. Oh, this is all amazing. All the way, the
1: audience. Oh,
0: <laughs> the cell phone lights are all coming up. This is like...
1: An amazing experience. It's like a
0: Pixar movie in the audience.
1: <laughs> oh. No, but seriously, I, I have a question for my technicians in the in the room because that, I don't know about you guys, but this was my experience. How, how many of you guys were trained and shown... Um, what to do and how to communicate things by being told what you were doing wrong. We're going to have them raise their hands in the darkness. That's That's even worse. Seriously, how how many of you guys had that be your experience? Give me me some claps. Give me some noise out there. A decent amount of you, right? Like every single practice that I have ever been in, even the, the phenomenal practices that I've had the amazing opportunity to work with, a lot of what I learned as a technician, I learned by being told what I was doing wrong or how somebody wanted me to do it differently. Not, this is what I want you to do and this is how I want you to do it, but this is what is being done wrong. Or, hey, did you see what she just did? Yeah, don't do that. Right. I don't, I don't want you to do that. <laughs> and then crickets. Nothing about, this is what I want you to do. This is just what I don't want you to do. And so I think that that is an area where we fail our teams miserably. We've talked about this on the podcast a lot because it's something that I'm super passionate about, but we don't train our teams enough. And if we don't teach them how to do the thing and then how to communicate that to clients, we are going to fail them every single time.
0: Right. I think probably a lot of people are listening to this. um, And we're back in the darkness. (laughs) I think a lot of people are probably listening to this and it's the summer or the end of the summer and they are like, their blood is boiling because they're like, we're supposed to train these people right now. Like, look, sometimes we just buckle down and we get through the summer.
1: Yes, absolutely. Amen. Because that's, that's my practice right now. Three quarters of my team is brand new and everybody's losing their minds because it's summer. And I'm like, I hear you guys. We're going to get through the next couple of weeks. And when it slows down, then we're going to really get into it. But even in the heat of things, you have to teach them how to do the things right.
0: Right. And, and when we get to December and January, that's the time to train. Like that's, that should be training season in your practice. Get ready for dental month in February, but, yeah. um, but you do have to prioritize it. So there's the skills training for sure. The communication training for me is, is big. Like, yeah. like how do they say it? We need one voice and one message in the practice. We need everybody says the same thing and we all back each other up, but we've got, we to practice that. And so um, I love role play. Um, I do not like to call
1: it role play. Don't call it role no. play. No. Everybody in the audience is like, no. Uh, don't do that. No. No, <laughs> no role you, playing. You, you, you go to the
0: text and you pull a couple of them together, or you pull all the text together, whatever, and you say, "We're going to practice talking on the phone about what we charge for a spay." Yeah. Or we're going to practice talking about senior blood work, and then we practice, right? The other thing that we do is. We should be paying attention to the metrics for our staff. Like, do you know which one of your technicians is a rock star at getting clients to senior blood work? Well, ask her to teach. Just be like, hey, will you walk us through how you talk about senior blood work? Because you're fantastic. Yeah. and then sit back and and let and let her train it, right? That's that's how these things come together.
1: <laughs> I see some fist bumps happening in the audience because we have some amazing technicians out here who are like, "Yeah, buddy, that's me right now, right now." <laughs> I love it, but it is it is totally true. And I was thinking about your example, Andy, that you gave about, um, you know, when when do we start doing senior lab work? And I think. I have seen a lot in my own practice where I have been watching team members who are like, oh, and, you know, I see that Fluffy is, you know, 12 now, and we probably should think about doing biannual senior lab work. And the client says, well, what do I need that for? And it's crickets. Because they're like, um, because it's our protocol. Right. I don't. I don't actually know how to answer that question, and so that's where I think we need to. We need to train them. We we fail on the second half, which is. Not only they know what to do, they know how to do the thing, yep. but they don't. They don't have the the tools to communicate it to clients. Right. And so, I think that that's an area where we really have to work on it. Role playing is a big part of it, but also giving them the educational tools, the teaching materials, having them understand the topics that they're talking about. And that's where, for me, I love to leverage my um, my. Vendor partners and my industry partners. I have um, our IDEX rep come in and do training about what is included in our senior lab panel so that the team, from the kennel staff to the front desk, all understand what is included in a senior blood work panel so that they can explain to a client why we do a CBC, why we're doing a chemistry, what the difference between the chemistry panels we're doing is, why we include thyroid in our senior lab work. They can answer all of those questions so that it isn't crickets with the client.
0: Yeah, if you want to build trust, we have to be able to tell pet owners why. Like, that's what they want to know. Absolutely. Why are you recommending this? And so have we trained our technicians to have really good answers? They don't have to be my answers, right? I'm not getting my technicians and giving them a script and say, here's the correct answer. But I am telling them from my heart why I believe this, right? Mm-hmm. And then if they can say, you know what? I had my own dog, and I ran this test, and I detected um, renal disease, kidney, kidney failure, very early, and I think that running this test gave my dog extra years on this planet, then heck yeah, you want to throw that in? Throw that in. I think that's great, yeah. you know? And you can use what, you know, add that to the reasons that, you know, that we've kind of laid out, but we've got to give them that ammunition to talk about why. And a lot of our techs don't have that, and it's, it just it, it sucks away their uh, productivity.
1: Well, and I think that leads right into the next step, right? Which is that then we have to empower them. And so for me, when you talk about empowering your team, nothing is more powerful for them than being able to relate it to their own life experience with the client. And so that's an area of um, our tech compensation where we can absolutely do better for our teams. I know that when I first started out and I was first working as a technician, I... I felt uncomfortable in the exam room because I was just out of grad school and I couldn't afford the care for my own pets that I was recommending for the clients. And it was a really crappy feeling. And I knew what I was supposed to say, but I couldn't, I couldn't make that leap. I didn't feel empowered because I hadn't experienced it on my own pets. And so it was a game changer for me to work in a practice that truly believed in the team and who created a culture and a process where the entire team had the ability to experience all of the preventative and wellness care that we were recommending for our own patients on our own pets. Because then everybody on the team understood the why we were doing it and it became so easy to have that exact conversation that you just talked about with a client to say yeah you know i just did my own pets senior lab work and it's i totally understand that it's expensive and it's a lot and there's a lot of things included in in this package but let me tell you why we're doing it and really be able to have that conversation and have it come from the heart and that's a piece that we can talk about when we're talking about how to pay them and pay them well it is a well underutilized tool in our toolbox
0: yeah there's really not many things you can say that are as powerful as this is what i do for my own pet mm-hmm. right that's that's really what they that's what pet owners want to know and so when you come and you say this is what i do mm-hmm. um it, it, it moves the needle. So, yeah, we've got, to, so we've got to empower them. Like, that's it. We have to let, we have to give them a system to work in, and then we have to let them work in the system. Mm-hmm. Now, again, that doesn't mean I think a lot of people freak out. I think there's a lot of um, perfectionists and a lot of type A people who yeah. taking their hands off the wheel this much really terrifies them. And, and, I, and I definitely empathize. I under, understand that. I'm not saying that you take your hands off the wheel and walk away. We can definitely pay attention to what's happening. You're going to be in the exam rooms like you were going to pay attention to these things. We want to keep training and keep getting better. uh, But we have got to loosen up the reins so that technicians can earn a living. Because when we keep taking stuff off their plate, honestly, we're taking the ability to earn a living off their plate.
1: Well, and for me, the frustrating part is if we've done our jobs and if we've taught them both what they're doing and why we want them to do it, then what are we actually worried about i think we we worry and we try to take back the control because we i think that there's a an underlying fear that we know that we haven't necessarily done our best to teach them. And so we don't feel comfortable empowering them necessarily because we're worried about what's going to happen. And so I think we, ha- if we've done step two and we have really trained them on what we want them to say and how we want it to be said and how to do the things, we shouldn't have that much fear like you talked about. And we shouldn't be holding onto the reins so hard. It should be easier for us to let go and say, Yes, you still are going to watch them, like you said. You're still going to make sure that you're following it up regularly, that new people are getting trained. But if you have t- solid technicians that you're working with on a regular basis, why not? Right. Well, and
0: I think two things that maybe make this more palatable for people and maybe make them feel a little bit safer. Uh, number one, I'm not saying that you should hand everything to the technician, right? now. If you believe strongly that veterinarians should give the vaccines, like if that's your reason, then set up the protocol around that and have the, ve- the technician do the discussion of the vaccines sure. and, and, and and figure out whatever your system is. So I'm, I'm not saying you you have to give everything over. I mean, it's, it's a case-by-case case basis. Decide what the culture of your clinic is. Um, I'm not dogmatic about that. The other thing I would say, too, to help people's blood pressure go down, I'm not saying you're going to flip a switch and be like, all right, now you guys are doing all of these things. (laughs) I think you can definitely have a phase in of this. I mean, honestly, and that's what I'd probably do in every practice is start to phase in. Right. um, Just, just for, it's common sense, right? We're going to have our technicians doing a little bit more. They're going to have them doing a little bit more. I think, honestly, and now we're starting to get really deep into, into the management and sort of our training philosophy, but we right. get into um, phase training, yeah. right? Yeah, so absolutely. your your brand new technicians are going to be doing less than your seasoned technicians who right. have been there for five years. No, they can they can work up to that. And for me, it's not about seniority. It's about, skills, right? Totally. It's about show me the skills, let's get you a raise, let's okay. get you more responsibility and then let's move you up again from there.
1: Absolutely. And you know, it, you're you're totally speaking my language because we I just um taught a class on this at uncharted this week and we talked about pay skills and from a te- technician perspective, nothing is um feels more gratifying than knowing if I accomplish these things, if I um if I possess these skills then I know what the financial reward is going to be and I know what the compensation is that's going to go along with that. And, and that is absolutely a fundamental core belief of, of mine in terms of how you set up a training process. Your tech should know what they have to do. So whether you have the experienced tech on your team who's been there for 15 years or you have the brand new baby tech who just graduated school and walked in your door on Monday morning, they should know what do they have to do to move from one step to the next to the next and what is the financial reward going to be for them the what's the what's in it for me what are they going to get as they move up the scale it shouldn't be arbitrary for them right
0: no and but on the flip side too right um i think practices should pay attention to this as well because yeah. we're not here being warm and fuzzy and be like just let the technicians do these things and trust us it's worth it No, yeah, no no, yeah. no you should run those numbers you know, you should you should run those numbers. We need to figure out how to attribute services to technicians, and that may be that the technicians, when they do their wellness stuff, they straight put it in, um, and we give them a um, like
1: a a vendor number. Oh, right? okay. So you're so you're talking about the last part, which is how do we track the results? Totally. Well, okay. I'm, I'm saying if, yeah. if you're going to track their skills
0: and move up and increase pay totally i think the flip side of that too is we've got to look at the outcomes on the other side you know what i mean as well yep and so Mm -hmm. so yeah so So, you agree with that right yeah
1: so you want to talk about how i've done that in my practice yeah sure So So
0: let's talk about how how you sort of attribute production to technicians
1: okay so so we have a phase training program, and when you have technicians that have demonstrated that they're capable of doing the skills and they're free to do their thing in the exam room, then they graduate to having a production code just like a doctor would. And they, when they do services that are, that are purely um, the responsibility of the technician, and every practice is going to be different. But um, there's a lot of base stuff, and a great example of that would be um, my nursing care as part of my hospitalization charge That is, the title is nursing care. It's the nurses that are providing that care. It's the technicians. It's not the doctors. So that line item goes in, and just like I would um, attribute the physical exam to Dr. Rourke, I would assign that nursing care to myself as Technician Stephanie, and each one of them have a code in the computer. And so at the end of the day, when I run my period totals, I see not only what my doctors have produced for the day, but what each one of my technicians or my technician team as a whole has produced. You can set it up however it works for your hospital. And a lot of that is gonna have to do with, I think the last piece we're gonna talk about, which is the money part of it. So how are we gonna reward the technicians for doing this work? You have to find the way that's going to fit for your practice, but you can set up a system where you are putting those charges into your practice management software, whatever you're using, and be able to track the results of what your technicians are producing.
0: Right. And this may, I mean, I think that's the most straightforward way to do it. There may be a system where we figure out how to attribute uh, the technician and the doctor together. You know what I mean? Like there's, totally. there's a million different ways to do this and say... We were on this together. Here's the doctor. Here's the technician. But I can still break those out, sort them, and get an idea of which technician is busting his butt and which technician is not and which technician is getting pet owners to do senior blood work and which ones are not. And I can reward the people who are succeeding because that's what I I believe in, right, is -hmm. make sure that that we reward the people who are getting the results and doing the work. And then we can look at the other people who are falling behind. We can help those people, right? We can figure out what they need. We can support them. We can train them. We can lift
1: them up. Yeah. So for our doctors who are listening, who are freaking out right now about how their production is about to change, fear not. Because you can, like Andy said, it's baby steps, right? So you can start as simply as leaving all of your production codes alone. And what we did when we started was that all of our tech team and our, our room assistants, everybody got a code that said... Stephanie was your technician today or Stephanie was your assistant today and when all of the when I put all of my charges into the computer the last item before my thank you was Stephanie was your assistant today so when the CSRs checked that client out they said oh it looks like Stephanie was your assistant today if you have any questions when you go home feel free to call the practice and ask for her directly so we were giving them excellent client service they knew who their person was but I was able to start taking the practice management reports and looking at all of those codes exactly as they had always been in the computer, but figuring out which assistants and which technicians were doing the things because I was tracking it by the doctor. None of that was changing. None of the doctor's pay was changing, but I was able to look at what the technicians and the assistants were actually doing.
0: So do, uh, do the doctors get a pay cut because of this, right? Right, that's a, that's a big And one. that's their first question, right? Do we get a pay cut? <laughs> uh,
1: the,
0: the answer is generally no, right? And, and again, I like a stepwise manner so you can kind of prove this as you go. Generally, doctors make as much or more money for two reasons, right? It's either we're increasing capacity so doctors are able to see more cases mm-hmm. because they're running behind the technicians, they're dealing with the sick pets, right? And if we're overwhelmed and we're overrun and we're stressed, now all of a sudden... Uh, we're able to to catch up so we can turn more uh, appointments around. The other way that that doctors end up doing better is that they are able to focus and work their cases up. And especially, guys, when we're short-staffed and we're slammed, you guys have been through this before, right? At some point, we are going so fast that we are not working our cases up. Right? We're slapping a Band-Aid on it. We're not running blood work because it takes too long. We're not doing x-rays because it takes too long. We're like, hey, let's just throw some insights at it. And then if he's, if he's not better tomorrow, then we'll take an x-ray. Mm-hmm. And it's, just, it's, a, it's a time thing, right? Or an energy thing, either one. But we can work those cases up. We can do better medicine. Uh, we can earn revenue there. It's not about technicians get a bigger piece of the pie. It's about using technicians to grow the pie by doing more work. We're working up the cases that we have. We're increasing our capacity to see more cases.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, and I, would, I would argue just from my own experience that when the veterinarians have more time and are able to work up their cases more thoroughly, the, the money is going to follow. And so when we first started doing this in, in my practice, believe me, my, my doctor team lost their minds. And they freaked out. And they were like, what do you mean you're going to change our production? And and they were they were nervous about it. And I had, like you mentioned earlier, the trust. I had built up a lot of trust with them. And I had a practice ownership team that I was working with that was phenomenal. And they had already agreed to back me on this. And I said, okay... I want you guys to trust me and I wanna try this for six months and if at the end of six months you have made less in production because of this experiment, we're gonna back pay you the the difference in your production. But let it, let me try this. And at the end of the six months, they had all significantly outproduced themselves than the six months prior because they had the time in the exam room to talk to clients. They were discovering other problems. They were more thorough in their exams. They were finding the real medicine stuff that is our bread and butter in veterinary medicine. It's not the preventatives. It's not the toenail trim that the client's asking for. It's not the anal gland expression. That stuff isn't the stuff that is... Um, generating the significant portion of our revenue in an exam, it's the medicine. And so when the technicians are really leveraged and they're allowed to take the front half of that appointment and the back half of the appointment, and the doctor can come into the room and really practice high quality medicine, I would would love to see more practices experiment with it because I would trust my gut and say that they're probably going to make a lot more money. And it didn't Just start that way. It stayed that way. And the doctors were really happy about it because at the end of the day, they were making more money and... Because the practice was generating significantly more revenue, I, all of a sudden, had more of a top-line revenue to play with in terms of my budget, so I was able to turn around and reward my technician team, which is the point of this whole podcast, right? So I was able to turn around and say, hey, guys, guess what? I can give you guys raises, and now I'm going to pay you on production for what you have helped generate for the practice. I love it, man. It, it was, it was huge. It was, it was so much fun for me because I, I, I love money. I'm not going to lie. I'm a, <laughs> <laughs> I, Stephanie I am, the material girl. God. <laughs> <laughs> I am. I am a practice manager for a reason because I enjoy making my practice money. So it, you know, of course I want to do that. But at the end of the day, I, I was a team member first. I was a CSR and then I was a technician and I know what it feels like to not be making that money. And so to be able to go to my team, to talk to my technicians who were single moms and struggling to go from paycheck to paycheck and say, Hey guys, guess what? I can give you now a $2 an hour raise that was a hugely, profoundly impactful experience for me as a practice manager and for them too. I mean, it, it was a game changer. And so I think we have to start to take a hard look at how do we reward our team members for the work that, that they're doing. And I, I, I think you hit it on the head when you said that it's not going to make the doctor's piece of the pie smaller. It's going to significantly expand the, the, the size of the pie.
0: No, I agree. Well, Cool. Well, man, thanks for talking through
1: this with me. Yeah, I love this. This is fun. What do you guys think? Yeah.
0: Yeah? Uh, all right. <laughs> Very <laughs> nice. I want, to, I want to record that, and every time we finish from now I just want to play that for us. <laughs> that, that feels great. That feels really good. All right, great. Okay. Well, guys,
1: thanks Thank a lot. You Have a wonderful oh, night.
0: Thank you so much. <laughs> And that is our podcast. Guys, that was so much fun. I had a great, great time. I hope we we'll get to do some more live episodes in the future. I think we will. I was amazed that room was packed and it was full of energy. And so I think we got to make that happen again. That was just so good. Gang, have a wonderful, wonderful week. If you've got something you're wrestling with in your practice and you'd like me and Steph to talk it through, shoot me an email at podcast at unchartedvet.com. That's podcast at unchartedvet.com. We will see you. I got a, um, guys, I got a, I got a super bonus Cone of Shame episode coming at you this weekend. So I'm going to drop it on Sunday. It's a big one. It's really important stuff got to check it out so be ready on sunday check your feed we'll have a new episode for you then talk to you later bye